0: Brought to you by Johnston Group, Vittorio Rossi, Trans Canada Brewing, Lou Ferlin, Cambrian Credit Union, and Homefield. Hello, everybody. I'm Sean Reynolds from SportsNet, about to be joined by Ken Weeb from Sportsnet together. We are Kenny and Rennie, and this is the Kenny and Rennie post-game show. And when I say about to be joined by Ken Weeb from Sportsnet, maybe I'm not. I those of you who tuned in for the last show, you tuned in to see that Rennie opened up the show with an absolute never-ending soliloquy. I hit the buffet and made can we blush at the way I hit that buffet? And yes, I did it because I was tap dancing. I did it because Ken couldn't make it here. I was being a team player. I was standing in for Ken in that moment, getting his back, having him covered very much like the Johnson group, got you covered play. of the game. Maybe I should have won the Johnson group, got you covered play of the game after that last game for that. But here's the deal. I got a taste for it. I got a taste for the buffet people. It is sweet. It is delicious. It is savory. It is everything you want. So I I think I'm going to do it again. I think I'm going to do it again. And this time, I think I'll leave Ken in the green room. Because you know who's got the keys to the studio? Rennie's got the keys to the studio. So Ken will get here when Ken gets here in the meantime, let's talk about this game. Let's get into it. Uh, I'm not sure how everyone is feeling out there. I don't know if there's a little bit of relief that comes out of this, that the jets finally get a point again, relief in this, that the Winnipeg jets finally got their offense rolling in this situation. Uh, Maybe there's a little bit of that. Maybe there's a reason to look at this and say, okay, this is the start of something. Uh, I don't know. Uh, how many people feel that way? I think I'm going to tackle this and I'm going to tackle it by going and basically looking at the positives and the negatives. So that game starts out. And once again, if you're looking for a response from the Winnipeg Jets, you didn't get it in the first 15 minutes of that game. I mean, it's another situation where the Jets aren't getting any pucks on net; They're not getting the puck out of their own zone. The LA Kings were the better of the two teams to start that game. And then it looked like the Winnipeg Jets finally woke up. They get a goal by Josh Morrissey. They get another goal by Josh Morrissey. All of a sudden they go into that next period and they're up 2-0. So that's the good, right, is the Jets finally get scoring again. And I'm not surprised for a second that the guy who gets that going when the Winnipeg Jets were asleep had fallen and could not get up. It is once again their MVP, Josh Morrissey, that picks this team up by the shirt collar and hikes them up and gets the offense going. Uh, If we look back at this game, and I'll say this right now, if we look back at this game and say this was the point where the Winnipeg Jets kind of rediscovered their scoring ability, you can thank Josh Morrissey for that. You can thank him for coming and waking this team up on this night. Uh, After that, though, got to say, the way that the LA Kings played their way back into this game I don't know that you can look at this game in any way. And I knew that I was coming in here expecting to be talking about a Winnipeg Jets win. And this is what I was going to be saying. And I knew I'd have the crowd on me and saying I'm negative and all this kind of stuff. But if the Winnipeg Jets had won that game 5-4, if Gabe Velarde doesn't score the game tying goal, I take a look at that game and I say, okay. the good news, the Jets got back in the wind column. They got some points rolling here again. But the bad news is anyone who looks at that game and thinks that that is a sustainable model for success, that is not it. Now, it's okay that it may not be that. This is a team that is down in the dumps. It's in the middle of, you know, uh, it's it's in free fall right now. They halted that free fall a little bit here. But you you don't expect to see a Vincent Van Gogh painting by a team that has played as bad as the Jets have and turn things around and, and and it'd be great, right? But at the at the same time, this is a game in which L.A.'s goaltender Phoenix Copley was absolutely terrible. This was a game Phoenix Copley put on a platter and served to the Winnipeg Jets the way can, the way Rennie is being served a buffet here right now. We talked about it earlier in this so many times. I heard it here. We heard Rick Bonus talk about it. We heard the players talk about it. I heard tons of people in this chat talk about it. When we talked about games that the Winnipeg Jets were winning that they didn't necessarily deserve to win, what was the line that we always talked about? Well, the Winnipeg Jets found a way to win and the good teams find a way to win. Well, there is no doubt in my mind on a night where they had two, two goal leads, where the goaltender they were playing against was having an atrocious outing, the Winnipeg Jets unequivocally found a way to lose this game here tonight. There is no doubt about that. There is no arguing that. The Winnipeg Jets f- had every opportunity to win this game and they found a way to lose. Now, if good teams find ways to win games, then bad teams find ways to lose games. And the Winnipeg Jets, with a record of 1-5-1 and in their last seven games, let's just say it. They're a bad team right now. The Winnipeg Jets are not a winning hockey club. They seem to be un- unaware of how to do it. Uh, and that's what we saw here tonight from the Winnipeg Jets. Now the question that we take away from this is with that being our last game before the trade deadline, What are you left to make of this if you're Kevin Sheveldayoff? I want to give a shout out. I can't remember who it was, but one of our home field dig deeper award winners said after the game was it. I think it was the devil's game and they had talked about the next stretch of hockey where the Jets were playing. It was the Rangers, the Islanders, the Avalanche back to the Islanders. And then this, and they'd made some kind of comment about what, what happens if the Jets over that stretch of hockey, uh, I, I forget what the record was, but it, over that last stretch, they were saying, what if the Jets went two and five over that ending stretch? Well, down the stretch, the Jets went one, five and one. That's their record and so the question that we kept talking about in this show was if that happens how do you approach this are you all in on this core are you not all in on this core if you're kevin shovel day off how do you approach this i mean i want to hear from people here because i'm going to be quite honest everyone remembers that i was talking about this for a long time and i had been the guy that said if what have they done this all for what have they come back with this core and and said we're going to try it one last time with this core, and they opened up all of this cap space. They opened up up their uh, their ability to accrue cap space by trading out Nathan Smith and getting rid of Brian Little's contract. I had said time and time again, what is it all for if they are not absolutely going for it? And I kept saying, and I've been saying this should be Kevin Cheveldayoff's biggest and busiest trade deadline of his entire career, or his time at least, with the Winnipeg Jets. But listen, one of the things that I think you have to be able to do as a person to grow is to admit when you're wrong. And I don't think I was wrong when I said it back then, but I think the Jets have steadily proved me wrong over this time. I said it on Tim and Friends earlier on today, the job of a team when their general manager rewards them with faith which Kevin Dayoff has done this year and has done for a long time. The job of that team is to reward their general manager's faith. The job of a team heading into the trade deadline is to look like a monster, to look like they are ready to go out and kick butt and take names, and they go to their GM at the trade deadline and they say, I'm going to go out and I'm going to kick some butt. And what I want you to do is go out on the trade and get a trade deadline and get me some brass knuckles and go help me kick some some butt out of people. I see this time and time again in our chat room, and I could not, I could not disagree with this more. People who say Kevin Cheveldeoff needs to go make a trade, he needs to go make a big splash, he needs to trade some of our future to fix this team to help them out. I'm sorry. The trade deadline, the way I see it, teams that go and prove to their general manager they are worth investing in should be invested in. The trade deadline should not be a scenario by which a drowning man is thrown a lifeline and the Winnipeg Jets' heads are 10 feet underwater right now. I think it is so hard if you're Kevin off to invest in this group, especially if you're getting rid of the future. I think the only thing he has left to him is to use his cap space and acquire salary dumps from other teams, which has been something that he's done quite often in the past. I think that's the only thing left, or if you are going to mortgage you f- your future, you better be getting it for assets that are going to carry for a bit into the future. So that means guys like Jacob Chickering aren't off the table because you get those guys with term, but any idea of the Winnipeg Jets going out and getting a rental, you should be taking that idea and firing it into the sun. And you should be doing that because the Winnipeg Jets players themselves have told their general manager to fire that idea into the sun with their play. That's my take on this. Time to bring in Kenny. I'm going to let him out of the jail. I locked him in in the green room. Time to bring him in the man with the best music in the business. Here comes Kenny. Kenny Brady saw exactly what I was doing here. Tap, <laughs> tap, tap dancing until you finished your piece, uh, which are always great reads. People should finish the Kenny and Rennie show and run right away to sportsnet.ca and check out Ken to work when they're done with this. Uh, but the tap dancing is over, Ken. I feasted, but you know what? Just like a good buffet, they've brought everything out. It's time for you to start all over again. Uh, take a look at what you saw out there, Ken. Tell me uh, tell me what you make of a game that the Jets were saying in the dressing room afterwards was reason for optimism. Uh, I'm not sure I feel the same way. Uh, how do you feel?
1: Well, I mean, I think I saw some progress. Uh, did I see the template for success in the playoffs? No, allowing five goals and not holding a two-goal lead in the third period against a team that you're competing with in the Western Conference standings uh, is not a clearer path to either the playoffs or an extended run in those playoffs but what I did see and what we have been talking about for the last four weeks or longer is that the Jets finally found the back of the net and yes Phoenix Copley did help in that I think he went down three times early probably a couple of shots uh, you know there were a couple you know Josh Mercy's shot is perfect but Kyle Connor. Kyle Connor's shot is also perfect, but that's only perfect because Copley went down early. Uh, he cheated oh, on the Kevin wow. Stenlund goal, so I mean Copley was not on his game today. I mean the Kings are at an end of a long road trip, so uh, for me, it's interesting. I mean I think that's not to discount the Jets' effort in this game, but uh, I thought this is this game said a lot about. Oh, easy now, <laughs> um, yeah. I mean the Jets played fine i mean their compete level was high they skated better for sure but a couple of uh, you know a couple of tough goes a couple lost face-offs uh you know angie kopitar did a nice job getting to the net uh, doing a lot of what the jets want to be doing uh, a couple of just absolutely perfect tip-in goals and just you know outstanding game by kopitar i mean four goals <laughs> four goals was an impressive feat there's no doubt about that and a bit of an unfortunate uh, you know, turn of events for the Jets on the game-tying goal by Gabe Velarde. Dylan Sandberg was in pretty good position, just kind of lost an edge, blew a tire. That led to what should have been a nothing play to being basically the equivalent of a partial breakaway. And you know that resulted in a tie game. I mean, the Jets needed to lock that down. Uh, they got themselves what we've also been saying. They haven't been able to get themselves to extra time. So, you know, getting a you know, losing point here was, was a step forward from Sunday, but it's not a step far enough um, for the Jets in a lot of regards. They did as much as they should be complimented for scoring five. They did give up five. Uh, they need to tighten things up defensively. There's no doubt about that. And, you know, for me, I think it was a step forward in a lot of regards, but I'd like to see how they play on the weekend. I mean, this is, this is, this is a real good test. Oilers made a massive move today, getting Matthias Ekholm. Uh, they are tied with the Jets at seventy-two points, How and they're, they're games, going yeah. into a couple of massive games here. And, and you know, it's a fun time of year. These are the games that that players live for. Uh, we'll get into the deadline a little bit later. Uh, you and I don't agree on the on the approach the Jets could or should take here, but in terms of the game, I mean, I, I saw some progress, but I also saw room for improvement. So. Um, I don't think that uh, Rick Bonus needed to be as uh, you know protective, maybe as he was on Sunday. And um, Sean, for the for the chat room folks that didn't agree with your assessment and my assessment of uh, Rick holding back, uh, I mean, I oh, would yeah. say that we got the receipts uh, on Monday from Rick Bonus, did we basically ever. saying he didn't want to say something that he regrets um, to his team after an effort he did not like <laughs> whatsoever. So. Yes, there were some moments in the second half of that game where the Jets took some steps forward, but uh, they were not good enough in that game on Sunday, and that's what we talked about. So, today, I, they did move forward for sure. I mean, they played without Mason Appleton and Pierre Luc Dubois, and folks know this was not a trade related reasons a deal that was <laughs> in the works. And, uh, you know, Dubois was dealing with a nagging lower body issue. I would imagine that if this was a playoff game, he would have been in the lineup. I expect him to be in the lineup on Friday, and you know we'll see what the next couple of days bring here. But uh, I don't see Pierre-Luc Dubois having played his last game with the Winnipeg Jets by any stretch of the imagination. And for the folks mentioning Dubois as a candidate to be moved to the Arizona Coyotes for Jacob Chikrin, that's, that's not happening. Uh, the, I think the Jets could be in. They could be one of the sleeper teams on Chikrin. Uh, but Dubois would not be part of the package because... No. The, the, the Coyotes just spent the last two years dealing with a similar issue. So uh, I don't think that uh, there's going to be anything on those. There's no, there's no game of connecting the dots
0: here. It, it'll uh, be futures for them. And it'll be, and uh, like, I'll, I'll, I'll try and pop the bubble. Anyone who thinks, okay, well, they're just going to drop this guy or Logan Stanley or whoever. The futures that they're looking for are futures that are going to be coming to fruition three, four, five years from now. That is what they're looking for. I can tell you that right now. Take a look at the moves that they've been making. That's what they've been trying to do. They don't think they're competing until three or four or five years from now. They're not trying to, and they don't need to because they play in Mullet Arena. And as we've discussed on this show before, are not going to be out of Mullet Arena for four or five years. So they're trying to build for that moment. And so anyone who thinks it's gonna be like Logan Stanley is gonna be the linchpin of that deal. They're not looking for Logan Stanley, who at that stage is going to be 28, 29, 30 years old uh, as an asset for them. They want players that either are have just come out, like the McGlorey-type players, maybe Lucius-type players, or they want draft picks. But uh, if they're going to go get Chickren, and again, Chickren makes sense because if you get Chickren, you get a guy that you carry forward, so they would move Ooh, futures for that, but that's the kind of assets we're talking about
1: moving. Yeah, and just sticking on the theme, and we just talked about the goaltending of the LA Kings. Uh, our colleague Elliot Friedman is reporting that the Kings are on the verge of acquiring Gavrikov and Yo- Jonas Korpasalo uh, right. to, to address that goaltending need. And it sounds like Jonathan Quick will be one of the pieces going the other way. That's a massive uh, changing of the guard for the LA Kings of the goaltender for those two banners. Uh, so we'll see how that develops uh, as we move along here but they're they're trending toward that deal. So to me Sean I mean we just talked about Chicran. I mean that's another team out of the Chicran sweepstakes, right? I mean yeah. the Kings were uh you know rumored to be heavily involved in those sweepstakes. So it's up to Kevin Scheveldayoff to act here but I would think that they're going to make a they're but going he, to make a solid offer here leading into Friday. I mean sh- I understand sure, that here, he's been patient but
0: I, I know where you're going with this. I know where a lot of people are going with this. They think it's good news that everyone is dropping out and that what's going to happen in the end is that the Arizona is going to be left with, with only one dance partner, and that's the Winnipeg Jets. And because of that, the Winnipeg Jets are going to get a steal of a deal on this. The Arizona Coyotes, from what I've been told, are willing to wait until next year. Like, that's the one thing everyone's thinking, well, they're going to have to move them they don't feel that way and they're not letting all these teams and the good deals that they're offering up walk just so that there's one team left and then they take whatever is out there they're gonna like this is it if the jets are gonna get chicken they are gonna give up their pound or two pounds of or three pounds of flesh in the process here anyone who thinks that arizona is going to be like wow we really overplayed our cards and the jets are going to steal in here and take him for a second rounder that's not happening there's going to be pain involved with the chicken deal no doubt and this is this is the other
1: side of the twofold sean the st louis blues are also one of the teams interested in jacob Chickren, and, and they're more interested in him next season than rather than this one because he has the two more years left on his contract should the blues get Chickren instead of the jets that now opens up the door to the other player you and i have been talking about a lot Colton Pareco. so if yeah. the Blues would be the team the trickle down for the Jets would be potentially a guy like Colton Pareko because the Blues have already invested a lot of money on the back end Chikrin would give them a little bit of a bigger bigger body back there he is six foot two 220 pounds seven goals 28 points in 36 games averaging 23 16 per game so to me I think that there is a there is still a pathway for the Jets to improve their back end uh, before the season is over. I think they still need to upgrade the defense core, um, and I think that both of those players or either of those players could help uh, achieve that goal. Uh, I think that if the Jets are in a deal with Arizona, and I also think that the Edmonton Oilers have been discussed. In the Nick Bukestad sweepstakes as well. I think Bukestad would fit in a lot of regards. Also, thirteen he sat out for trade-related reasons. Uh, he's got 13 goals this year. I think 12 of them are at even strength, only one in the power play. So I, I think there's a lot of other things out there still. Uh, I think that the Washington Capitals are a team the Jets will be in contact with here. It sounds like they're, you know, making they're they're transitioning their team, obviously, after acquiring Rasmus Sandeen. Uh, they would be a team that had would have some players that would appeal to the Jets. I think Lars Sean, would be one of those complementary players up front. Could help yeah. the Jets' bottom six. I think Nick Jensen would be a right-hand shot defenseman. That's a very good puck mover. Those guys are both pending UFAs. So if they were looking at more of the you know, rental category, those would be two players that would be of interest to them. Uh, that's just my gut feeling. And, you know, we'd have to see from there. And, yes, I understand everyone I've written about Colton Pareko. I am very familiar with his, you know, modified no-trade clause. Uh, but th- to me, this is similar to Paul Stastny. I think that Pareko would get to the point where he would be frustrated and go from there. And we'll see what – oh, sorry, Jensen Extension, is that what Top Line Media is saying?
0: Yeah. Um, Oh, whoops. Well, okay. I'll let you jump into that and look at that. There's Sorry actually some about that. questions that I wanted to address here or some comments. Jeff Kabili says, oh, man, Kings might be asleep sleeper these playoffs. Here was something interesting. I came in and I talked to a lot of the uh, Kings media. Uh, by the way, Kings media, uh, they're really knowledgeable hockey guys. What oh, yeah. a gr- How lucky is that market to have the people who serve them there? And the one thing that they talked about before this game was, like, goalie, 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 how problematic it is. And this is one thing that I thought was interesting. If you take a look at where the L.A. Kings are in the standings, Ken, and where the Winnipeg Jets are in the standings, now the L.A. Kings above them in the standings, they said to me that there is not a single game this season that their goalies have won them a game. Think of the contrast of that compared to what Connor right. Hellebuck's done this game. Like Connor Hellebuck has probably won the Jets in the neighborhood of five to seven games. That's ten to fourteen points. Another very interesting stat they dropped on me, and I didn't go check this out. But in, they they dropped an, some analytics on me that I thought was fascinating. Apparently, apparently, the L.A. Kings are third. In the NHL, the third best team in the NHL in expected goals against. Right. And yet they are, in true stats, 23rd in goals against. This is a team that is getting submarined by their goaltending. And you saw that here tonight. That goaltending tonight was atrocious. It was atrocious. And so it's funny because halfway through, sorry, in the second intermission, I went and I was chatting again with the L.A. media uh, and I'd said, like, you know what? I would not be surprised if if before the end of this game, Phoenix Copley got pulled, not because they were taking him out for how he was playing, but because he was getting taken off the ice because he was part of a trade package. Because if there was a game <laughs> where a general manager would have looked and said, we cannot go into the playoffs like this, this was that game tonight. But to Jeff Cabelli's point, this is a Kings team that can score when they need to. They're pretty good at defending. They just have been, they've looked like they're not that good of a, sorry, not that good of a team. They're they're right there in the playoffs. But this team would look so much better with a goaltender. And if Elliott's got this locked down, they've gone out to go get that goaltender. Again, I said this earlier on, if people remember, I would rather the Winnipeg Jets play the, uh, the, the, The Colorado Avalanche early in the playoffs, even though I think the Colorado Avalanche would beat them from what we're seeing right now. I'd rather they play them early than play the L.A. Kings early because the L.A. Kings, I think, are a team that would take their pound of flesh out of the Winnipeg Jets on their way to the second round. Whereas I think it would just be a speed fest against the Colorado Avalanche, which I think the Jets like to play. I just don't think they'd survive it. That's the only thing. Um, Ken, I uh, just wanted to say you are looking yeah. dapper, as always, my friend. Uh, I'm you. rocking my green suit with the the great tie and the combo set up by Frankie and the boys over at uh, Vittorio Rossi. Our friends over at Vittorio Rossi absolutely love heading down there. It is paradise. If you like looking a little bit dapper, this is the place to go head on down to Corden Avenue. Go see Frankie and the boys. And they will set you up. Can you got something to say before you get to the lamplighter? Uh, just a
1: quick one. I know Tom Wilson. A couple of folks have DM'd me about Tom Wilson. Folks, the, the Capitals are not rebuilding. They are moving pending UFAs because they have a lot of uh, of those on their roster currently. Uh, most of the those are the pieces that are being moved. Tom Wilson's going nowhere. Uh, that is an element that most teams don't care to get rid of. We just saw what Tanner Janot uh, was worth on a you know a team. Uh, team control type of contract situation. Tom Wilson uh, will not be coming to Winnipeg in my estimation. He's not going anywhere. I understand, you know, Taylor Pishke is from here. Taylor, I believe, spends the majority of her time in Toronto these days, unless I'm mistaken. Uh, I would say that Tom Wilson is not on the block. He is not going anywhere. And that's something that, although he would be the type of player the Jets would probably love to have in their lineup, they don't have much of that element. Uh, I don't see him as being uh, available or on on route uh, to be part
0: of the cavalry. Um okay, uh time for your lamplighter. Ken, what do you got? I totally disagree with this take, by the way. The Jets were better than the Kings tonight. Might be a hot take, but the Jets, in my opinion, were on it. A couple of mistakes here and there, and some mistakes of overpassing led to the result. Three of those goals don't go in on almost any goaltender in the NHL. That was The, the Jets were spotted three goals on this night and found a way to lose. I do not think they were the better team on this night. Um, Ken, uh, you're a lamplighter on the evening.
1: Yeah, I mean, for me, it, it was not a pretty goal, Sean, but based on the inability to get to the net of late I think honestly Josh Morrissey's first goal of the game uh, with a great slick move at the blue line and a nice play by Mark Shifley to get to the to the crease before Phoenix Copley could cover it and then Morrissey getting down to the puck before anybody else could do it uh, to me that's my lamplighter I mean the Kyle Connor shot from the boards it's a good shot but that that can't go in I mean that's that doesn't that goal can't on. go in the guy's on yeah, know, his
0: knees. I mean, I know people will say like, "Oh, it's the perfectly placed shot," but it's coming from the boards, and it's not really even. If you look at the the, the replay, it's not even that hard of a shot. There's a lot of perfectly placed shots that don't go in. Why? Because when you shoot from the boards, they shouldn't go yeah. past NHL goaltenders. Uh, I agree with you 100 percent there. Go,
1: and even the, on, I mean, even the Stenlin shot was a very. I mean, the second or the first Stenlin shot was a nice shot, but that can't go in. I mean, that's that's a shot that can't go in i mean he was down on his knees early um so to me i mean we could have chosen any of the tips by kopitar kopitar was fabulous in this game i love the way that he played uh kind of funny i mean josh said it in a very complimentary manner but he basically said he still looks the same way he did when josh was a kid i mean josh is a young guy but i mean Kopitar just had a dynamite game on a lot of regards. Sean, four goals, 20 minutes and 38 seconds, seven shots on goal, and two hits. Uh, but to me, I, I just think that because the Jets had been really struggling, and, you know, I guess honorable mention to Stenlin on the shorty, uh, because that was basically everything the Jets haven't been doing. Lowry, you know, with a nice saucer pass, Stenlin with a nice finish, but. To me, the Jets' inability to get to the net is part of what's been plaguing them during this stretch where they've gone 6-10-1. and So getting to the blue paint and getting kind of a greasy one, uh, that's what I'm choosing as the lamplighter
0: this evening. Uh, I'll, I'll say this about uh, Stedlin's shorty. Um, yep. What were the two defenders for the LA Kings doing on that play? I mean, Drew Doughty had Lowry. The second player, for some reason, starts chasing down Lowry rather than covering the guy in the slot. They entirely abandoned the yep. only threat on the ice, that was crazy. Um, I am going to go in the direction that you're going in, but a little bit different. I don't give it to the first one by Josh Morrissey because this is another one of those goals that should not have been it, gone in, Ken. Why? Well, A, Josh Morrissey throws the puck and it misses the net. And that draws Phoenix Copley entirely out of his net. The job of a goaltender is to seal off the post and, And Phoenix Copley goes entirely out of his net The only reason Mark Scheifele is able to get that puck back into the front of the net Is because Phoenix Copley, for an inexplicable reason, has left his net And allows the puck to get behind him in front And then at that point, he can't get back in There's a wide open net, the puck's just sitting there the, for me, the lamplighter tonight is the second goal by Josh Morrissey. It's just one of those ones where he comes skating in, Clap City. You know, just an absolute bomb. Now there is a goal that was going in on anyone. I don't care who is in net in that situation. A perfectly faced shot, absolutely blasts it. It had the feeling, Ken, to me. Of Josh Morrissey that night against the Blues, where he was going to put the team on his back, and I think he did. I think he put the Jets on his back here tonight. To me, this is another tick in the column uh, <laughs> in the argument that you and I are having over who's the MVP. Of this it's team. not an argument. I think it, it, it's not an argument. You're right. I, I I feel like I feel like it's it's you know like you're, I don't even think you're nipping at my heels on this one. Oh. This is clearly a situation. Like, could we could we just say that the race? For for the captain ask the Jets
1: players, Sean,
0: ask the Jets players what over. they feel. Okay, oh, here, captain, I'm gonna tell you, I'm going to tell you what the difference is in this situation. Josh Morrissey, when he jumps up and puts the team on his back, he gets awesome. other people. Go, he gets other people going. Connor Hellebuck. This and this isn't any of Connor Hellebuck's fault, but it has to do with him being the most valuable player on this team. Connor Hellebuck, when he throws the team on his back, the team gets complacent. They sit back and they watch him steal games and That's then they fair. sit back and say, let's just do that. So the, the reaction that Connor Hellebuck elicits in his teammates, this is none of his fault, but however it happens, Connor Hellebuck elicits complacency from the Winnipeg Jets by going out and stealing games and being the guy who goes out and wins the games for Winnipeg Jets. When When Uh, When Josh Morrissey goes out and does what he did tonight and what he did against the Blues, Josh Morrissey starts bringing out the best in the Jets. The Jets who can't score, when Josh Morrissey gets going, suddenly they can score. They can get these kind of opportunities going. So from that perspective alone, I was thinking about this earlier today. It's not just about how you play. It's not about what you do. It's about how. It's not just about how skilled you are. You have to take the idea of Josh Morrissey's leadership and the way that he's able to grab the Winnipeg Jets by the collar, stand them up, dust them off, and throw them into the fight. You have to take into account that role that he plays and that effect that he has on the team for him being the MVP. You have to do that, whereas I'll tell you what they are. If the Winnipeg Jets are getting into a bar brawl, Josh Morrissey stands up, knocks out two guys, then grabs the rest of his guys and says, come on, let's go. Connor Hellebuck stands up and takes down the whole bar on himself and the rest of the team doesn't get off the bar and stop drinking their beer. And there's a leadership element involved in there that I think gives me the edge on this argument. Um, I wanted to finish this off uh, just to say, again, Lamplighter, of course, is Josh Morrissey, that second goal. It was great stuff. Uh, hey, I'd love it if you'd share your Lamplighter with us. Uh, I, th- I saw a lot of you were giving it to Kevin Stanley. Good night for him. But share your Lamplighter with us because if you do, you automatically are entered to win an eight-pack of frosty, delicious Lamplighter Amber Ale from our friends TransCanada Brewing Company. If you can't wait for Kenny and Rennie to give you your frosty delicious lamp lighter, then head on down to TransCanada Brewing Company. Join them in their tap room at 112.90 Caniston, where we are going to be having our next Kenny and Rennie live show on March 18th. Tickets will go on sale. We have a website you can go to. We will post that in the chat at some point here. It is live as of this moment. Get in there, get in there fast and buy your tickets because once they are sold out, you can't get any more. Uh, but we will get that in there. And uh, hey, I forgot to announce the winner of last week's um, Frosty Delicious APAC and Lab Lighter. Sorry, last games. That would be Corey Kolchicki. Corey Kolchicki won for last show where I forgot to mention who the winner was. So, Corey, you're going to take the same instructions as our winner for, the pre- for this show, that would be Pat Rathwell is the winner of the Frosty Delicious 8-Pack of Lamplighter Amber Ale. But hey, your work is not done. You still have to direct message me at Reynolds on Twitter. Send me your full name and send me your email. And I will send you each vouchers for a Frosty Delicious 8-Pack of Lamplighter Amber Ale. Thank you for contributing. The rest of you, thank you for your Lamplighters. Really appreciate it. Ken, let's get into the Johnston Group. Got you covered. Play of the game.
1: Yeah, for me, it's more of the, I'm going to choose a player in this situation. Uh, We were raving about Josh Morrissey, who had a fantastic game, but uh, I'm giving a stick tap to Dylan DeMello. Uh, We talk all the time about his defensive play. Today, he had two assists in the game, and, you know, I'm not going to use, you know, he was on the ice for five even strength goals for and none against. So although I know some folks call it an antiquated stat, Uh, When you're on for five and you are not on for any in a goal where your team gives up five, uh, I don't think there's any way to argue how he had an impact on the game. Uh, Four hits in the game for DeMello and two blocked shots. So for me, uh, he has got the got-you-covered play of the game handled just for his overall body of work and just another steady effort from the Jets... You know, top pairing defenseman Dylan DeMello, who played you know 25 shifts for
0: 1946 in the contest. Um, but I'm going to go uh, right back to Josh Morrissey because it helps my MVP argument for me to give him all the awards <laughs> in the show. Maybe maybe he'll ch- drop in and make a comment and then I'll give him the home field award. Oh, good. Uh, the home field dig deeper award. We'll but send a shovel his way. Yep. His emotion is what sparked this team and sent them into a situation. I think the Winnipeg Jets have a point here tonight because of Josh Morrissey, quite simply. I don't think they have it in this game if he's not playing. Uh, So I give him the got you, uh, uh, excuse me, the Johnson Group got you covered play of the game. Brought to you by the Kenny and Rennie OGs, the Johnson Group. You won't find two businesses with the same challenges, but you will find 30,000 businesses with Chambers Plan employee benefits proudly administered by our friends. At Johnson Group, our good friends. Chambers Plan is Canada's number one plan for employee benefits because it evolves with the way you work and live. The plan is run as a not-for-profit designed specifically to support small businesses, and its unique pooling strategy keeps rates stable so you won't have any surprises at your next renewal. Chambers Plan now comes with professional consulting on key financial, legal, and HR issues, and teledoc telemedicine services are included with every health option. See how Chambers Plan and benefit your business by visiting chamberplan.ca. Ken, why don't we give Sweet Lou a shout out while we're at it here and then we'll move on.
1: Sure, also honourable mention to Nino Niederreiter for that uh, hit on Sean Dersey as an as a honourable mention of the you've got you,
0: We've Got You Covered. Uh, that, you, that would have been my choice if I wasn't trying to pump Josh Morrissey's tires for MVP and win this argument with That's
1: why company. I mentioned it. That's why I mentioned it. Uh, for the folks who have realty needs, if you're looking to buy, if you're looking to sell, if you're curious about what the market is bearing currently, if you're wondering about the house down the street or... Considering moving to another part of the city, uh, you can contact our friend Lou Furlan at Royal LePage Dynamic Realty, 204-791-9971, or at the office, 204-989-5000. His email is lou at ca. that's L-O-U at dot ca, and his email is dot. Lou Furlan, excellent realtor excellent human being and excellent supporter of the community and we thank him for his support of this program
0: um, I just wanted to say this here we should we should move on to this uh, uh, this idea of what the Winnipeg Jets should do and kind of touch on it a little bit again Blue Thunder here says we need a blockbuster whatever it takes this is now I think he's trying to say this is now or never rather than he's saying this is the now forever um did i give the whole thing was that uh, on this show ken or was it behind the show about like the potential for if they throw the future out the window what the other side of that looks like um i think it's I, mostly I'm from s-
1: our, our dis- discussions
0: without outside of the, the show. camera rolling yep okay unless well unless you
1: did it at the beginning of the rant the other day i, I was did writing. not
0: i did okay. not I, i'm gonna say something here i i kevin off. dayoff has shown faith in this group for a long time since 2018 and the way that he built this window so that this basically everyone lined up till 2024 at every single turn this off season when a lot of people expected that he was going to tear the Winnipeg Jets down and said he comes back with this because I, I truly believe in the end what he wanted to see was he wanted to see this group with a different coach and what they were capable of <sighs> I I hate this idea, and, you, and you're hearing this uh, from, from a lot of people. I think I've heard it even from some of the insiders. They talk about the idea of if you're a general manager, if you're Kevin Dayoff and you don't do anything, that it's not showing faith in your group. I hate that argument. Here's why I hate that argument. Kevin Dayoff, I don't know that there's anyone who's shown more faith in the Winnipeg Jets than Kevin Dayoff has over the years. And... Uh, my response to that is how has that faith been rewarded? Like, where is the responsibility of the players to make up the general manager's mind for him that he needs to go in and that he needs to do something. Now, Kevin Cheveldayoff's job is to give this team as good of a, of uh, a possibility uh, it can to win within reason. And the reason has to be, how how you set this team up going forward? Now, if you're the Tampa Bay Lightning, this is what you get from the Tampa Bay Lightning. You get Nikita Kucherov, you get Steven Stamkos, you get Victor Hedman, you get Andre Vasilevsky. You get a team full of people: Braden Point, uh, Anthony Sorelli, on and on. You get a team full of guys that you know exactly, exactly what those players are going to give you when it's on the line. So it becomes easy. You can take a look and those players go out night in and night out and they show you who they are, what they're capable of, and what they're going to do. And so you can point to holes in your lineup and you can say, we need to fill this hole in our lineup because everyone else is doing their job and there's a shortage right here. And then you go out and you get Tanner Genoa and you can pay the Kings ransom that they paid to get Tanner Genoa because A, this team is locked up for a long time, B, they're young, C, their window is wide open. And so you can make that play. It's not the same. Anyone who wants to try and compare that situation or other situations, the Winnipeg Jets have their own unique situation. What makes this difficult is if you're Kevin Sheveldayoff, and never mind if you're Kevin Sheveldayoff, you're you, can, or if you are anyone in the chat room or anyone watching this at home, what do you know with certainty you can expect from the Winnipeg Jets going forward into the playoffs. It is an absolute crapshoot what this team is going to do. Are they going to wake up? Are they going to look like world beaters? Are they going to continue doing this right now? Are they going to fall out of the playoff race? Are they going to go in and you know get build up a couple of games and then absolutely blow it? You have no idea what this team is going to do. There is no certainty for Kevin Cheveldayoff in this. Julian Breezebaugh in Tampa has absolute certainty what his team is going to do, how they are going to respond, so he can make decisions based on that absolute certainty. Kevin Cheveldayoff, for all the faith that he has given the Winnipeg Jets, has not been returned that same courtesy by his players and because of that he's forced into a decision where a lot of you are saying like do a blockbuster do this wake this team up however it's going to go the cost of doing that if you are going to go out and pull off a blockbuster and send a bunch of future assets out the window if he does that and then the winnipeg jets don't respond and fall out of this and you move all these future assets and mark Scheifele decides to leave When his time here is done, Pierre-Luc Dubois decides to leave. Connor Hellebuck decides to leave. Then what you've got left after that is scary. You've got a hole, a void left behind by the entire core of this team. And you don't have your biggest weapon in Winnipeg to address it, which is your draft picks, which is your scouting, which is your draft and development. And what you're talking about in this situation is Kevin Cheveldayoff could start a, a, a flick of the dominoes by going for it in this situation and the team not paying him off at all for it. It could start a domino, a, a domino situation where 2025, 26, 27, 28, this is a situation where if you don't handle this properly or you pay too much at this time, this team could be lost in the woods for years a la the Buffalo Sabres, a la the Edmonton Oilers for you know from the mid-2000s to when they got uh, Connor McDavid. That's what you're staring at here in this situation. I'm going to tell you this right now, Ken. F- for me, in my position, I don't want to be a reporter covering an inconsequential team, a team that is lost in the woods, that can't figure it out, that tore down to the absolute wood and now can't build back up because it's hard to do that. I don't want to see that situation. So if I'm taking a look at that, this, I, 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 all I can say is this is a team that down the stretch here, 1-5-1 and one, when it should have been showing strength, has shown anything but strength. I don't think this team deserves an all-in mentality from its general manager. I think they've shown him who they are Kevin Chevaldeoff needs to be cautious here. And I think what he's going to do, and we've talked about this, is he's going to target moves where he's going to go out and see what teams are willing to shed salary players with term that can help around here. And that's what he's going to try and get. So if you are, if you are giving up a future asset, you're bringing in a guy who's going to be around here for two or three years or something like that. Deals like the Nino Niederreiter deal. But I'm at the stage where anyone out there who thinks that the jets need to be going all in or throwing blockbuster trades out there for people who are coming in the door and leaving right away. That to me at this stage sounds like insanity Kevin Sheveldev should not be doing that before the trade deadline is over. I
1: mean, for me, he has an obligation to try to make the team better. I'm not saying he should push all his chips to the middle for rentals. Uh, But at the, you know, what we've also been discussing is, you know, since 2018, this core hasn't gotten the job done. So I think it's his obligation to augment that core, whether that means moving a core piece that if he prefers to do that in the off season, by all means, but um, if if this if the Jets can't pull themselves out of this tailspin uh, I'm not saying they should trade all of their first round picks or their best prospects but at the same time moves need to be made I mean there will be players who are not waiver exempt moving forward they still have some players that are going to need to integrate into the roster uh, if Vili Hanela is not part of the solution then he should be moved for an asset uh, otherwise he should probably be playing right I mean and I'm not saying Ville hanel would be the solution to the Jets' problems. He's been up this year and didn't make an impact. Uh, so I just think that the Jets need to be active. I'm not saying that they should push all their chips in for a chance to win one round. What I am saying is they, if they've already distinguished that they need to improve their core, then they can make steps to improving that core right now. Uh, we use the. Tr- I mean, I understand people don't like to talk about the Maple Leafs, but Sean, if the Jets are going to have to move even two of the four players you mentioned – that's where they will recoup assets. That's where you will get either players with term or first-round picks. So if if Kevin didn't change the core in the summer, it's his obligation to help augment them right now. Um, I don't know. I, I, I understand where you're coming from exactly, but then nothing is getting solved because the team's not changing if, if no moves are made. I mean, Niederreiter is a smart addition. Niederreiter is a guy they might think they could sign after, you know, to keep him here more than just one year so or after this year coming up when he has the one year of term left so I, I just think it's interesting I mean we were talking about all in earlier I, I agree with you uh, this recent stretch would give Kevin Cheveldayoff pause not to go all in but I mean the, the Leafs have the same issue as the Jets the Jets have won three more rounds than the Leafs have since 2004 so for me that's what all-in looks like. There's no guarantee. They could lose to the Tampa Bay Lightning. But at least Kyle Dubas did his best to try to augment the roster. And he did it without giving up his best prospect, Matthew Nyes. Right? Now they moved Sandine, But I just think that there, there are ways to improve the hockey team without mortgaging the entire future. And there are probably players the Jets have an idea about that they want to move on from. So to me, they need to use those assets to help make their team better for a longer stretch, Sean, just like what you're talking about. But I just think that standing Pat beyond Niederreiter would represent a half measure, which is what we saw last year when the jets made a very smart trade for cop, but held on to Paul Stastny. Like they, they could have added to the asset pool by moving Stastny. Now I understand the market wasn't as strong for Stastny last year. And I understand they viewed his leadership as valuable, but it was like a, that was like a half measure like we talk about. So I don't think the half measure or standing pat is the right move for the jets. I understand there's no consequences for me in saying that, but I think that the jets need to improve this roster. I've been consistent with that messaging since basically November. And I think they are still important pieces of the puzzle here that could be helpful for this team if they're given a little bit more support. So I mean, we'll see what happens. Things have kind of leveled off or plateaued for the Jets. They need to show what they're made of. They need to show that they're better than this 6-10-1 team. I don't see them going into a heavy rebuild, which which would be a vote towards standing pat, but I don't see that happening. I think that Kevin dayoff even with an extension, I think he feels some urgency. This is a team that needs to get into the playoffs first and foremost, and they need to get some seats filled with some dates whether that's two or three or six or whatever number that ends up being because i think there is pressure there will be an impetus to move some assets uh, like i said i'm not telling them to move all their first or their best prospects but they have to be listening and in, in trying to get their they have to be proactive in terms of trying to make the team better and that's what i expect kevin shovel have to do i don't expect a ton of blockbusters. Uh, but I do expect them to be active in trying to improve their team and change the complexion. Sean, this is what we've been talking about for years. They have too much of the same up front, and they have too much of the same on the back end. So get going on the composition of the roster. I'm not saying go out and get somebody on a rental, but go out and get somebody that changes the complexion of the roster. Nino Niederreiter was an important first step in that process. He brings a lot of qualities they don't have enough of, So go out and get somebody else like that that has some term and that can help them improve both in the short term and the long term. And that's why I think he needs to be a little bit more pro. And again, I'm not saying he's not being proactive. And also people that are saying that there's nobody left on the board, that is totally inaccurate. There will be players that come on the board in the next three days that weren't on the board yesterday. The Detroit Red Wings just got thumped for the second night in a row against Ottawa and suddenly Ottawa's tied with Detroit and now maybe Detroit is selling. So uh, let's just see what happens in the next couple of days. And we'll, we'll go on from there. Sean, I think we should talk about Nikolai Ehlers here. We got, you know, eight okay, minutes okay, left. But
0: before we do that, there's a couple of things I want sure. to say. Like, for, First, we essentially are coming from two total opposite sides of this situation but in the end landing on the same idea and saying the same thing like no, I, I, we agree I, they're I, not all, just, they're not all in anymore they're not all i in. just can't see and I they mean, are no way. And if they are that will come as a total shock to both of us and to totally. many around the league exactly like what what i thought what i think both of you and what sorry what i think both of us are saying in this situation is that the Jets need to look around and they can still capitalize on the, the cap space that they've created for themselves to go out and find more Nino writers, right? Yeah. Or like I would said off the top of the show, it doesn't mean that you can't go and get Jacob Chikrin because Jacob Chikrin is a guy that you can carry forward. But uh, I, I'm just saying here, like, 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 and I agree with you 100%. It's Kevin Chevaldeoff's job to do what he can to make this team a better team. But, and I'm going to get into this a little bit here, I still stand by the comments that I make. Like, where's the responsibility for the players to to pay back the faith that has been shown to them by their general manager? So, Scarty here says, Sean, so you're blaming the team Chevy built for letting Chevy down? Like, Do you not think that the players have some kind of role or responsibility in this? You think they're just empty vessels on a chessboard that Kevin Sheveldayoff is pulling out there? Like At some point, you've got to go out. You have to make it happen. And if you've got a general manager that has shown you time and time again that he has faith in you, what I'm saying is not at all what you're saying here. What I'm saying is at some point, he needs to operate on the idea that the players are not returning the faith. We're not earning the faith that he's put in them. That's one of the things I wanted to touch on here. For sure. The other things, because people now all of a sudden are talking about rebuilds and to leading to a team being somewhere else. Julian Lubosky says, guys, a rebuild does not mean the team moves on. Laugh out loud. Do you know how, many, how much money Thompson has and how much the league survives with TV deals? That's one of the things they're saying. I'll just say this. Anyone who thinks, and they start pointing to the empty seats in this building and stuff like this, anyone who thinks that the Winnipeg Jets not having a winning team will will mean that the Winnipeg Jets are gone, then you might as well say that the Winnipeg Jets and the city of Winnipeg is not a hockey market. If you as Winnipeg Jets fans can't support a team that is not a Stanley Cup contender, if you can't go through some years of rebuilds, exciting rebuilds, maybe some dark years and still support your team, then forget about it. You're not a hockey market. Because a team team like the Minnesota Wild has been a middling team forever, and they've what, Ken? Is it one single game that they have not sold out in their time there? Like I know a lot of that is corporate investment, but anyone who comes to me and says that you can't, we can't survive not being a good team because then this team is going to leave because people are going to stop coming. Boy, oh, boy! If people did stop coming because the Winnipeg Jets weren't a good team then then this city would deserve to lose its team get on your horse be a good fan support your team support a rebuild whatever happens i'm not saying do it blindly i think you got to vote with your wallet every once in a while but the idea that you have to be afraid of a team not be like like recycling and coming back and trying to build something better tearing down to build something better if you're not going to do that because you are afraid that the team's going to leave, then boy, oh boy, you sound like a person to me who doesn't think that there should be a hockey team in this market in the first place. Okay, you wanted to get to Nikolai Ehlers. Let's get to it. And just one more quick one. Some folks in the chat have
1: been asking about Brock Besser. Brock is a great person. I don't see Brock Besser being a help to the Winnipeg Jets. He can score. He can shoot. Yes. Does not play fast. He's not a good skater. He's not physical. He's not very reliable defensively. So I don't see his style being a fit for the Winnipeg Jets. There are other teams that are looking for scoring that I would expect him to be a much better candidate for. Uh, so I don't see him becoming a Winnipeg Jet, even though he did play down the road at UND. Uh, I, I just don't see that being the type of player the Jets are looking for uh, at this stage of the proceedings. Uh, if it happens, I'll be surprised, and I'll be happy to grab the receipts and and say whatever about that. But uh, Ehlers, Sean... I, Today, just under 18 minutes, 22 shifts, 17:46, seven attempts that were blocked, two missed the net, three takeaways, one blocked shot. Something that I've been—I mean, obviously, too. You know, his his power play time is half the amount of the first unit. I'm not really in. We know my feelings on this. I think he should be in the first unit. They, you know, obviously the coaching staff feels differently, and the fact that. Mark Shifley and Nikolai Ehlers can't coexist on the same power play is very odd to me. Uh, we saw on the first power play it was Shifley behind the net and Wheeler along the wall. I'm curious why, you know, the power play can still run through Mark Shifley uh, if he's in that down low spot, I think. So anyways, that's 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 neither here nor there. Um, well, to- sorry,
0: I'll just all explain that. The idea tonight was to try and confuse the, the Kings penalty kill by bringing it was only the one Blake rotation. Wheeler I know. up yeah. onto the wall, and then having them react to that, and then in motion sliding him down to the bumper spot, and try and get the puck to him, and have him pass it cross crease to Kyle Connor. It just didn't work. Like I could see, you could see exactly what they were trying to do. They were trying to confuse the Kings' defense, and that's why they put Wheeler there. It just didn't work. I just mean, there's got to be a way that those two can
1: coexist on this power play. I mean, Mark Shifley is one of the most dangerous players in the high slot position uh, in the National Hockey League, or he was when the Jets had a top three power play, uh, you know, way back in the way back time machine when Line A was still here and Buff was at the top. Regardless, Nikolai Ehlers, to me right now, is trying incredibly hard, but he is not finding a whole lot of chemistry with his line mates, and I he's still getting his legs back. I mean, he has bursts where he shows that flash and dash, but to me right now, Nikolai Ehlers is still coming back from a very major surgery. And for those people that are saying they should, that he should be traded, I don't agree. I mean, this is a guy that has been a performer for a long, long time. He is under contract for an extended period. I think the jets need to work hard to find him line mates that he will fit with. I um, I mean, there are players on this roster that that can be the case with and i think that he needs to play a little bit more with you know Nita and see what happens from there but i know a lot of folks are up in arms about Ehlers and some are fed up but i mean does does he need to turn you know reduce the number of turnovers a bit sure but to me he's trying to make things happen it's not from a lack of effort uh, but to me I, I think he hasn't really he's not really clicking the way that we're used to seeing. Uh, from him, and the only way he's going to get through that is by playing these, you know, 21 games down the stretch and getting himself up to speed uh, for the playoffs. I mean, the Jets need Ehlers to be one of their most impactful players. I see, not, I see a lot of effort from him, but this is something that's going to take some time. And I think that uh, some of the stuff got glossed over because he was so productive coming out of the gate, and he essentially is still a point a game player, which is an incredible testament to him. The fact that he's been able to do that without being able to really operate at top speed. But he's got another gear to find, and I think he'll continue to work hard to find it.
0: Okay, I'm going to say this. You know what I think is happening with Nick Healers right now? To me, um, you know how he was he was a little bit like Patrick Liney in that he could get down on himself? You could see that in that yep. situation. I always thought it was weird. When Paul Maurice was in town, that Paul Maurice just refused, refused to hold anyone in this lineup accountable outside of, you know, like bottom six players, except for Nick Ehlers. He had no problem with Nick Ehlers. He had no problem highlighting that he wasn't okay with Nick Ehlers. Uh, And I thought it was to Nick Ehlers detriment. I think, you know, when you're that one guy who's constantly getting singled out in class and you're looking around you and you're seeing a lot of the other Kids in the class doing the same thing as you are—it's—it's it's problematic. I, I can only think, Ken. Like, well, he said it to us. Rick Bonus has told us that his—the stick that he wields when no message is getting through—is ice time. And whose ice time is constantly getting messed with? It is Nick Ehlers. I, I am at the stage right now where I—I I don't know what it is. I'm not, and it, maybe it's some of the same things that the Paul Maurice coaching staff had issues with. But I'm at the stage where I think that there's frustration in the coaching staff with Nick Ealers, and that his confidence is affected by it and lacking because he's feeling from now a second coaching staff that for whatever reason I don't know what it is. It's never orated. It's never seems to be trotted out and brought to the front. But Nick Ehlers does not look like a player that is in favor with this with this. Uh, coaching staff, it's shown in his ice time, it's shown in his opportunities and now what I'm seeing from his play is a player that is second guessing himself, that it's not free speed wise I see him far too often trying to pull little plays where he's trying to draw penalties, there was one of them tonight where he went down really easy and looked at the ref right away rather than just getting up and competing, he's a player who looks like he's trying to make something happen rather than just play his game Um, I'm not saying that I'm in the school of people who are saying that this, this is a guy that should be traded, but I do think we're getting to a stage after one coaching staff had issues like this, and now it looks to me in practice that another coaching staff is having that, that if we continue on through this, depending on what happens in the playoffs and at the end of this year, if there's not enough belief in Nick Ehlers in this organization, then they should be looking to move him and see what else that they could get for him because we, we are having this conversation too often and we're seeing, you know, them go back to the same old that isn't really working rather than trying him when it was only a couple games ago, Ken, that they brought him in and he scored a power play goal. Like some of the most recent success they've had on the power play was entirely built on moving him into that spot and off the opportunities that he created And he has quickly found himself off that power play. It does not make sense for a power play that is desperately searching for answers to not go back to a guy that gave them answers just a little while ago. I don't know what it is. I don't get it. But there's obviously something at issue
1: here. I mean, just one quick thing. I mean, we know what happened with Jason Robertson. Rick Bonus was hard on Jason Robertson. Now he's one of the most dynamic goal scorers in the National Hockey League. Uh, That tough love worked with Jason Robertson. Uh, and I would say that before the Jets should ever consider moving Nikolai Ehlers, they give this a little bit more runway, uh, especially into a season two under Rick Bonus's guidance before they consider any type of activity on that front.
0: Like, And here's something I think uh, Waiters uh, brings this up here and says I'm sure Chevy has had offers on Ehlers. I think one of the things that's kept Ehlers in town is the fact that he's on uh, you know, a, a good contract and he has terms. Right, like This is what Winnipeg is going to go out looking for at the trade deadline is players with term. They want guys that they've got control of that are going to be around here for a really long time. And I think that's one of the things that has made Nick Euler's most valuable here is the fact that he decided to stick around and stick around for a long time. But I just have to say what we're seeing on the ice, this is a player that is too advanced in his career to be going through this like it seems to me that they're you they're using tactics against him that you use on extremely young players like this is a player who's he's a year older he's the draft class before Kyle Connor is he not 2014 draft class 14 yep 2014 I mean this is this is not a young man anymore this is a 27 year old man think about where you were in your lives out there when you were 27 years old these the, the way that he is treated, and I don't say that in a bad thing, the way that he is handled here in Winnipeg just constantly looks to me like they're trying to reset, 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 reset. And I just wonder if maybe it's not time when when it, the dust settles at the end of the season to let Nick Ehlers go someplace with a team that takes a different approach with him because maybe what they're looking for in Nick Ehlers doesn't exist, but maybe somewhere else, Nick Ehlers would be exactly what they're looking for, I guess is what I'm trying to say here. Ken, we should shut things down here. Um, uh, oh, I wanted you to ask this question though, this uh, or answer this question. Kenny's Waterball says, if the Jets aren't all in, then why are they wasting a draft pick on Nino Niederreiter? There has to be more. You know the answer to this question. The, the answer to the question is because Nino Niederreiter comes here and they acquire a guy who's going to be around here for a number of years after this, they got a player with term who's good right now. So these are the deals they'll make it by no means means that they're going to be all in, um, I, I'm going to send the... Uh, sorry, before we get into that, we've got some fancy new graphics before we announce our Home Field Dig Deeper uh, Award winner. We've got this nice stuff from the, uh, the people at Home Field. And, of course, that means when you see this banner, it is time to throw a spotlight on the comments uh, that, that really stand out here for the uh, Home Field Dig Deeper Award. And today, that is going to go to... Turd Ferguson, who says, "I think we've wasted too many of Helly's best years to convince them that they can do better for him moving forward." This, I think, is a big issue here. Ken, uh, people, someone was talking about it, and they say I draw a bleak picture of these players not uh, re-signing here. This is, you know, my thoughts on the idea that you know, Mark Shifley, uh Connor Hellebuck, these are all players who are making less than they probably should have been making. Uh, the, the Jets have done a good job in depressing their contracts, which is good for the Jets. It's not so good for the players. They're we're in a situation now where they're just going to have to pay there. But here's the deal. This is what I think is interesting. All of you out there who are constantly asking yourself the questions, what's wrong with this team and you're not the only ones doing it. I've got really smart hockey people come rolling into this and they ask me the same question. No one knows the answer to this question. I don't think anyone knows it. And I think you can add the people who run this team into that. They don't know what's wrong and why this team is so very capable at times and then so incapable at times like we're seeing right now. And the thing that I think is interesting about this is is if at some point The Jets brass, the team, the organization would have made some headway on this and shown Connor Hellebuck that you don't just have to be a guy who's constantly stealing games or showed Mark Scheifele or showed Pierre-Luc Dubois that this is an organization and we know what the problem is, we're on our way to fixing it, rather than seeing this year turnout like every year before this since 2018 where they start off looking like one of the best teams in the league and fading over the stretch. This is my take on why I think a lot of those players are going to move on is because they don't know the answers to this question. They look around and don't see anyone with answers. And the answers to getting beyond them are starting to look more and more like they lie outside of this market that's my take on it great comment by turd ferguson uh, i want to throw back uh or take this comment off the board and throw up that nice little graphic or hey let, let me just try something here i wanted to play this because we got this mm-hmm. it's the old dig deeper award how is that how nice is that can you hear me i can hear you I, I wasn't sure if when we good. play that yet i whether or not we were going to have the uh uh, I wasn't sure if when I played that whether we could hear our voice, but I just wanted to say thank you <laughs> very much to Turn Ferguson for your winning comment. And just like Turn Ferguson Homefield is always going to dig deeper to find the best marketing solution for your company. Find out how at myhomefield.ca. Turn Ferguson, you know what to do. Direct message me at SN Sean Send me your full name. I'm very I'm hoping it's not Turn Ferguson. Send me your full name and also send me uh, your email. I will send you your voucher for your very own trunk shovel brought to you uh, by our friends at Homefield and Kenny and Rennie. Thank you so much, everybody. You did a great job, Ken. You rocked it as usual and I want to say if you appreciate the conversations that happen in these spaces, please, please appreciate our sponsors who fight to keep these conversations going in these spaces. For us, that's Vittorio Rossi, TransCanada Brewing Company, Johnston Group, Lou Ferlin, and Homefield. Ken, you and I are going to have a pop-up show on Thursday before the trade deadline. Uh, at 3.30, is that the time? I think 3. 3 o'clock. 3 o'clock, we're going to have a pop-up Kenny and Rennie show. So if you want to show up at that time and talk more about the trade deadline, please do that. You'll be right here where we are at this stage. Uh, thank and you here, so much, this, everybody. Uh, here's oh, the yes. link
1: for the folks that are looking. Uh, it's in the chat. We'll, we'll also list it on our socials there but uh, you can get your tickets for the March 18th version of the Kennon Kenny and Rennie show the live version of the match against the Nashville Predators the afternoon game the Nino Niederreiter revenge game yes. in Nashville Saturday afternoon we will be there live both you and I and we'll have a glorious afternoon but this is how you get your tickets and we will talk to you on Thursday for the yeah. pop up show
0: No doubt. So uh, that's going to be that's in the chat. Um, You can try and find it there. We're each going to send out a link on our socials, and I'm going to try to have that link living in uh, on YouTube underneath these videos as we're going forward. So there's a place where everyone can go to hit the link and buy their tickets. Again, space is limited. Uh, There's already a bunch of people who have asked uh, to hop into that. I'm going to be direct messaging those people. With the link so that they can go there and buy their tickets so if you want to go there and we would love to see you there make sure you get there uh, to that link and buy your tickets as soon as possible thank you so much everybody we will see you on Thursday as we break down the last uh, day uh, days and hours of the trade deadline uh, for the Winnipeg Jets thank you so much